Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast from Marketplace Risk. Today, I'm very excited to have Manfredi Sassoli de Bianchi with me, and he has done actually two sessions for the recent Masters program. The first was about growth hacking and launching a new marketplace where he gave us 20 tips and tricks. And the second was actually with me, which was uh, about disintermediation. And this was um, all about platform leakage and how this is a risk for marketplaces at any stage. So welcome, Manfredi. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Very nice to have this chat. And and just for our audience, could you tell us a, a bit about what, what you do of course, I am a marketing and growth consultant for marketplaces and I join quite tactical skills in performance marketing, analytics and conversion optimizations with pretty deep expertise in platform design and platform strategy. Brilliant. And today we're going to do something a bit different because up to now I've been taking these podcasts as a further discussion of some of the master's program sessions that we've been having. But when it came to you, Manfredi, I have been following your LinkedIn with interest because you have been running a little series during lockdown, a little um, mm -hmm. mini series that you've created, which is called Platform Wars. And this That's has right. really struck me as something that I think would be interesting to our marketplace audience. And what you've been doing is talking about some of the big players in um, in, in platforms at the moment. And, and quite a lot of drama has been happening. It's actually like a bit of a soap opera for platforms going on out there. So I thought we could talk about some of this and hear what your take is on all of it. Mm -hmm. These aren't traditional e-commerce players, a lot of the platforms, but they are suddenly competing in this space. And I think this is going to be mm -hmm. interesting for marketplaces, especially startups to hear what's been happening and, and to hear about how it affects their place in in mm -hmm. in the um in the space so really i think the the most interesting thing about this is that some of the 
um, social media platforms that we're all very familiar with, who up to this point have been just that, social media platforms, are suddenly uh, taking on a new role and starting to enter e-commerce. So can you tell me a bit about some of these and, and what they've been up to? Of course. So what we have seen is generally a huge spike in e-commerce over the past few months due to COVID and lockdown. So what has happened on a global scale is that we've seen an inflection point in e-commerce. E-commerce has been growing for the past 20 years, but it was only at about 10% of overall shopping. And now it's probably going to go to 20, 30% very quickly. Um, and this huge acceleration has suddenly caused a lot of interest in the space. Now, in the to current economy, we've seen huge platforms gain massive success. The likes of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Um, to the point that in order to become more successful, they need to compete with each other. And they're stealing market share and rev share from each other. So the first thing we saw happening, of course, was Amazon sales going through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, and then different players have kind of adapted in quick successions, succession to that move. Um, and then we have seen Facebook enter the space more aggressively than ever with a number of moves. So first of all, they started the, um, they, they made it simpler for influencers to sell online via Instagram. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they have made it easier for companies to sell through, um, through Facebook. Is that through the marketplace um, section of the of Facebook? It's a, it's a different uh, feature called Facebook Shops, where each company will have their own shop window on Facebook through their page. Um, mm -hmm. And then finally, what I find extremely interesting is that they're now beta testing direct payments through WhatsApp um, in Brazil. And what that means is that, um, you know, a, for P2P purchases, that can be huge, right? So, for example, you know, if imagine how something like eBay could live on WhatsApp where messaging is, like, seamless and then payment also becomes seamless. So that's kind of an interesting space. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's interesting is, you know, for enterprises selling through, you know, digitally, then you can create really one-to-one -one conversations through WhatsApp, which is a very personal medium, and then sell directly through WhatsApp. And would that just be available as a, an individual transaction between two individuals always, or is is that how it? How does that work on a on a messaging app like that? So I think at the moment the beta um, is only for corporates, for enterprises, um, and, and companies selling to consumers, to end mm -hmm. consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, you can imagine how it develops into a, then a P2P proposition down the line. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, of course, and here we see how kind of all the dots are connected. Facebook earlier last year tried to um, launch their own currency, right? So you can see how, you know, the payment platforms then could potentially live on the biggest communication platform there is today, which is WhatsApp, uh, or at least maybe the second biggest, but one of the two biggest in the world. And then how it becomes quite easy to then put in a currency on top of that. 
What happened to the Facebook? It was Libra, wasn't it? That's right. And what happened um, about that? Because it seems to have gone quiet since the the pandemic. Or it, mm, um... so, towards the end of two thousand nineteen, the project was kind of blocked. The although you know, from many industry experts, I heard that it was actually a very good currency in principle. I think the fact that you know Facebook had been hit by privacy scandals uh, and that it's a technology company, a lot of players were a bit reluctant in letting people do that. So it kind of lost its backing from the traditional financial services player that were kind of keen to partner up initially. And um, it was also then backed, uh, it was also kind of criticized by governments. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that project was you know, certainly temporarily on hold. Mm -hmm. And TikTok, I've actually been reading news about them in the last mm -hmm. 24 hours. They seem to have lost quite a lot of users in some in some territories uh, I haven't read the full story but I think it's a security issue but um, they have added a, a buy button in in a similar way to what's being tested on on whatsapp is that right that's right so they've added a, a kind of a buy button so that uh, it becomes easier to sell through, through TikTok but also you know that's something that we've seen um, also platforms like Snap do. Uh, so that's kind of adding a buy button has become kind of quite a popular solution, uh, or at least testing it. And then the other thing that we've seen, which I think is incredibly in interesting, is that they've created an influencer market share, uh, marketplace on their platform for advertisers. So what they do is they, and they're still, still early days, but they're planning to create a marketplace where companies can find the best and you know sponsor the best uh, talent for promoting their brands and I think this is fascinating because it basically creates a network effect around advertising um, and furthermore it potentially completely aligns the advertisers or the kind of content promoter to the content producer or the influencer with the con the content um, the people consuming the content, mm -hmm. right? Because surely, you know, the producer wants to produce better content in order to get more views, and the brand will want to sponsor the right producer with the right amount so they can produce quality content. And it's quite a powerful virtuous cycle, which, you know, basically the more you invest in it, the better the content, so more viewers come to the platform, which attracts more advertisers that can invest more money, so more money gets into content production higher quality higher, higher view and so on and it and it evolves the role of the influencer substantially mm. as well if they are actually at the point of purchase rather than just influencing the um the purchase which has obviously been the case up to this point and and ha having to actually um uh, you know uh, um, be open and transparent about the fact that they're advertising something whereas this actually takes it to the next stage doesn't it? Yeah exactly and I think that's particularly interesting because the boundaries really are blurring right mm. and so where does advertising end and where does sale begin you mm -hmm. know so if, if you're searching for you know cheap insurance on Google and you see an advert ad is that really an ad or is it somebody selling you uh, cheap insurance what about if you search for 
uh, a chair or you know pillows on Amazon? Is that advertising or is it actually people selling you stuff? Exactly. Um, yeah. The, right. The influencers almost become part of the sales team, and mm. it, it's less you know it's less just influence, is it? It's actually a direct sales transaction. Um, so when you talk about the payments that that have been integrated now into some of these platforms, is that um, a payment system just for clarity that is um, connected with a, a payment provider like some of the ones we're familiar with or it, it, like Stripe or, or is it actually something that these um, the likes of WhatsApp and TikTok have set up themselves how how much is it integrated into the platform and how much is it separate so my understanding is that they are fully integrated within the platforms mm -hmm. um, but I don't know exactly how their back end is built mm -hmm. and I mean when you're if you're a startup founder and, and you're setting up a marketplace mm -hmm. um, presumably hearing these types of development must feel I don't know it must make it feel slightly daunting how would you say mm. that the space had changed um, and how difficult is it becoming increasingly for a startup marketplace to compete when these types of transactions are, are going to be taking place you know every second how do you even get into that space or, or is there still room um, mm. what does it mean when you how do you beat a company when when they are taking such a, a stranglehold like this that's a very good question um, so I think that uh, there's, there's a number of things to consider uh, the first one is that when we start talking about business strategy effectively the you know platform design platform strategy is really the only thing that matters today in most sectors um, today you know you're either kind of you either are a platform or you should be planning on how to become a platform or you should at least plan how to compete against platforms. Mm -hmm. um, the it's a bit like, you know, a hundred years ago with economies of scale. Network effects are becoming the key competitive advantage companies must master, and therefore, it becomes critical in thinking about strategy. Now, what's become very different in the past kind of five years. Uh, is that while before companies were built to disrupt new sectors versus old incumbents, today we're seeing many kind of generation two, generation three marketplaces that are disrupting sectors where there are already marketplaces. So effectively, what we see is, you know, multiple companies with network effects competing against each other. Mm -hmm. um, which is partly why I've been kind of looking at kind of platform wars and the big tech companies and how they compete against each other because it's really where we see that competition at the kind of highest level um, of uh, complexity. But that's a good thing, surely, that you've got several um, players competing against each other in, in a space uh, rather than one dominating. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And so you know, we've also um, you know, must mention Shopify who have entered the e-commerce space um, and they are now seen potentially as the biggest competitor for Amazon 
and have a very kind of open platform approach, which is great to see. And actually, they do even out um, the landscape a bit. Uh, and then, you know, of course, we've got TikTok too. So, you know, all of a sudden, I'd say that compared to 12 months ago, the landscape potentially looks a bit better um, because there are there is more competition out there. Um, and so potentially more gaps. And when uh, Shopify, did did I see, did I read on one of your Platform Wars posts about mm-hmm. a partnership with Walmart? Surely that that's mm. potentially huge when it comes to competing with the likes of of Amazon. Absolutely, yes. And I think, um, you know, two things we see again, the boundaries between physical and digital blurring, but also, again, it kind of, shows how their kind of open platform approach is really uh, a viable path. You know, to compete against Amazon, you cannot be like Amazon. Um, and so what they do is instead of trying to disrupt and outprice everyone, they try to collaborate with everyone. Um, and in doing so, they're gaining momentum and market share. And uh, that's very good to see for the market. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to your previous question, so, you know, if you are kind of a founder, a startup today, you know, how do, how, how, how um, friendly or hostile does the landscape look? Mm. I think that it's, you know, on one hand, it's become easier and easier to um, set up the technology side of these businesses. Um, I think that while I know for experience, every single marketplace is different. Um, I've also seen that it's there are now kind of a set of tactics that people can implement in order to launch a new marketplace, as I kind of spoke in a, about in a previous um, chat with you. So what we're seeing is that you know while every marketplace is different, there are there is sort of a playbook on how to launch a marketplace. So it is becoming easier to launch. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to compete with existing marketplaces, a company must bring something new to the table. They must bring additional value. Um, how How can a company do that? Well, sometimes through pricing, right? So for example, uh, within e-commerce, Google has made Google Shopping free for companies to add their listings. And that is simply in order to get a lot more volume and compete with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one tactic. Um, another one is to simply you know, just be more niche, but deliver more value to your specific customers. Right? And this is like a pattern we've seen many times in marketplaces. When a marketplace becomes too big, when a platform becomes too big, it breaks at the edges, meaning that there are certain significant um, segments within the platforms which are underserved and while the platform is creating value by being everything for everyone there is room for other marketplaces or platforms to um, to kind of get in and offer a specific service to give you an example let's take you know, a great platform like LinkedIn the social network it's also a recruitment platform or, or kind of mm-hmm. employment marketplace um, but there's been kind of some you know, significant success in creating verticalized recruitment uh, marketplaces, right? Um, sometimes for um, freelancers, 
but also for kind of temporary roles in specific areas like for example hr or um like legal or something I, like that legal yeah. or it mm. right where you can just add more value because you know that sector more Mm -hmm. And I suppose it, it fits into what we talked about a few weeks ago about disintermediation as well, doesn't it? Because you are, are going to keep people on your platform if, if they feel that it is very relevant to you and it's speaking to you and creating a community around people like you. Whereas the minute it gets too big and, and there was a phrase you used there that I quite liked about something at the edges um, where, you know, you start to feel that there's just there's so much noise there and, and very little, little of it really applies to you directly. And I think if you worked in a very specific sector, like legal sector or something, you'd want to feel that the platform that you were part of was, um, you know, was speaking to you and, um, you know, all things on it, like, you know, the content and the community and the forums and everything were full of like minded people. And that would be a real um factor for you to to not um go elsewhere yes exactly and uh and so you know i can see for example how linkedin creates a lot of value by being a social network which has for therefore needs to join different um type of professionals together right and, and that's actually the value of the platform but i can also imagine how there is a lot of value in creating you know, a social network that is specifically designed for, for example, um, architects and de designers uh, to, um, to collaborate on different projects. And that's House. That's already that already exists, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a market network. But also, you know, one for developers where there is uh, kind of knowledge sharing happening, um, which you know, LinkedIn doesn't really uh, allow mm -hmm. um, or at least it doesn't facilitate. Um, so, yeah, there, there are def different kind of patterns of value creation which uh, a new company can leverage. Um, and so there is still room. The other areas, the other way to create value is by implementing a new technology. Um, and, you know, so, for example, you know, you could talk about curation of content through AI and machine learning um, or by um, so I'm kind of working with a platform in the music industry that's um, looking to use blockchain for um, royalties management making it more kind of efficient mm -hmm. and convenient for musicians to uh, to manage that area so it's not necessarily that the offering itself has to change, but the technology that supports that could make a uh, make a big difference to the platform that somebody was choosing or the platform that somebody was migrating from um, onto a new player in, in the space. Yeah, well, the new technology basically allows you to do something significantly better, mm -hmm. to solve a problem better, which could be doing something quicker so you can deliver a better service to the users of the platform or it can facilitate your users to do what they're doing better. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about, um, between ourselves, about the other reasons that people might move away from one of these huge horizontal platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and I suggested that maybe there would be a kind of consumer backlash against maybe 
you know, the, the, the ethics of some of these big companies or um, the way that they treated their workers or the great wealth at the top, etc. But um, and maybe I was sort of hopeful that people would make a stand and, um, and, and actually stop using some of these companies that had been mm-hmm. shown up in that way but you have said that we've yet to see any kind of backlash against the big players in favor of smaller marketplaces for that reason is that right that is correct yes so (laughs) um unfortunately um yeah but what we have seen is that while you know google has been probably the hardest hit out of these big companies uh with um data privacy scandals, there hasn't really been a significant consumer backlash. Um, nobody in the past kind of left the platform. There, you know, at the moment, right now, there's a bit of a backlash uh, for, again, Facebook not taking a stand on any social political um, issues. But that is only happening a bit at the enterprise advertiser level, because some firms want to, you know, leave the platform so that uh, just in case they don't get backlash from their own customers Mm -hmm. Um, but in reality having worked on the advertising side many times in different sectors and different stages of companies growth i know that when you know these firms lose a lot of um, let's say revenue generally it quickly gets filled in by other players that come in and and fill that space so I don't think that we'll see much of a backlash from advertisers either. Yeah. Um, the and then what else have we seen? With you know, I've seen people trying not to use Google, but it's very difficult not to use Google. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the reality is, you know, these platforms have given us great customer experiences at an extreme level of convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really difficult to not use. Amazon Prime as well, um, you know, mm. especially during uh, the pandemic. And I know people have, have done that. Um, and when I say people, I mean me, uh, done that thing where, you know, I don't really like yeah. Amazon and I don't really want to use it. But, you know, we are shut in our houses and, and this is a way of, of getting things, which, you know, is obviously you've sort of made that compromise, haven't you? Um, we're at this stage now, I suppose, what platform wars have been running um, on LinkedIn for throughout the lockdown. Lockdown is certainly being eased in, in a few countries. Um, mm-hmm. where I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I wonder how it's how this sort of soap opera is going, is going to play out because, um, you know, there, there has been a huge benefit for some of these big horizontal um, platforms during the crisis, but I wonder how things are going to evolve now, and I wonder what the the episode of platform wars towards the end of the year is is going to be saying about um, everything that's happened this year. Have you got any predictions for how things might play out? I won't hold you to any of them. Don't worry. So, I we haven't seen any moves from Apple, mm. uh, at least not any kind of consumer-facing moves, uh, really, from Apple. Um, so it would be interesting to see what they do. They also do try and kind of back the trend, right? And they do really try and focus on consumer privacy um, so that their brand remains pristine. Um, so, but, you know, I, I, I suspect they will be doing something at some point. So 
um, that would be interesting to see. Although you know they don't play as much on the advertising space, but it's not something they can ignore entirely. Um, so maybe you know at the app store level, mm -hmm. uh, there'll be some big news. Yeah. Um, I think that generally you know, these huge mega platforms have been so successful that in order to continue being successful, they need to uh, do two things, get into new verticals and compete against each other, basically. So we will see them um, do those two things um, on and on. I think that uh, we will see, you know, a big, it would be a big win for technology companies this year overall, I think. Um, it is, it's kind of been an inflection point. And, and also, I think that, you know, wherever you can have a, um, kind of a marketplace model, certainly this situation has shown that it is beneficial, um, because ultimately, you are more flexible. Mm -hmm. um, and and also the world has you know been more divided to a certain, a certain extent but also more united because you know we're all having calls and video calls with people around the world and not meeting them in person yeah so <laughs> zoom has managed right. to become a verb in this in this space of time um, a verb that even my mother is using which is incredible um when you think about it um that you can it, things could change so much over a short space of time but as mm. you say um, we, you know, we, we have all been united by certain things that we're doing in a way that we haven't been before. Exactly. So the whole, for example, you know, labor marketplace is now a lot more open uh, internationally and globally. Um, you know, it's, it's much more kind of easy to think about hiring somebody who lives, you know, in, in a different continent com compared to what it was 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how the things that have changed, how many of of these changes, um, you know, stand the, the test of, you know, n no crisis, no pandemic and, and which ones. But I think certain changes have taken place and there, w there won't be any going back from them. I think that too. I think, uh, you know, I, I never thought about buying clothes online before. <laughs> um, and now I was kind of, I had to. Yes, and, and now that I have done it, it's kind of you know yeah. that wasn't sure so bad. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. Um, if anyone wants to follow Platform Wars, um, and I do recommend, um, uh, you're non under no obligation to um, post uh, at any frequency, but do check out Manfredi's um, LinkedIn. Uh, and if you can, if you can't find him, then um, you can message me on LinkedIn and I can um, connect you too. So um, do look out for that. And thank you so much, Manfredi, for joining us today on the Platform Podcast. And um, I look forward to, to catching up um, maybe at the end of the year and, and hearing what um, what's happened uh, since. Same here. It's been very nice to have this, um, this conversation. Thanks, Manfredi. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform Podcast. Check out the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers in more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk.
Tune in next week for another podcast.